What's going on, you bunch of nerds? This is the NerdWide Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and favorite co-host, Chris Rivers. Chris, listen, we had a we had a lot to talk about before we started recording the show. And let me tell you, I, I'm excited for this episode. Uh, fantasy football is a joke, and I am so it's just football. Period. NFL is just a joke, anyways. And I'm really, I'm really so excited, ready to record this podcast. Chris, how's your week been? Uh the week was pretty good. Uh, work went by fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the weekend flies by quicker though, so it's not. Yeah, it, it's not fair. I don't, I don't appreciate not, it. Not, not at all. No. Uh, but yeah. Pretty quiet week, pretty uh, stress-free. Oh, I gotta love those. Yeah. Mm. How's your week? Uh, it's been it's been pretty decent. I've been playing a new game, which I'm referring to the the Madden Killer. Um, so we'll talk about that later. That's a little uh, little hint and tease for everybody to stick around to watch the end of the show for games. Uh, the next couple weeks are gonna get stressful. Next week is Zoe's my oldest child's birthday. The week after that is exactly a week after that is Stella's birthday, and then we go on vacation the next day after Stella's birthday party. So, just a little little stress, little stress in there. Just nothing, you know, nothing crazy. But you know, I get to go through these two weeks and then get to sit on the beach and have fun there. To make sure Stella doesn't eat sand. So that's you know not a bad trade off. So, you know, can't, can't, be too, can't complain too much about it. Uh, quick housekeeping before we jump into all the fun. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or our podcasting service of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up or YouTube or leave us a comment down below how we can improve the show. If you don't enjoy what you're hearing or seeing, just let us know so we can improve. Uh, podcasting service, make sure you give us a good rating, uh, four and a half stars or above, preferably. Uh, other than that, just email us if you don't like anything, and we can go from there, just nerdwide at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to do more, go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers for a bunch of different goodies for tiers there if you want to go that way. Um, but other than that, that is it for our housekeeping. Uh, Chris, how was this week's episode of American Horror Stories? We didn't have one. It's over. Oh, so that last the crappy episode was the last one? The lake, yeah. Oh, well, that'd be why Jimmy didn't mention the episode. I just thought she hadn't watched it yet. Oh, well, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I, I think the uh, in the next few weeks, I think we're going to get the new season of the main show. So oh, okay. Probably- oh, so you also have more content coming then. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Just in time for Halloween. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> which brings me on to the movie we watched this week. I just a little butt hurt about it. We'll we'll get there. Um, well, I just want to go ahead and say it. The Shining, right? So Jamie and I are sitting there. That's when she texted you last night. We're sitting there. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just a psychological horror. It's so something crazy. It's not like there's ghosts or demons or anything. She says, what do you mean there's no ghost? I said, it's just a psychological horror. He just goes crazy. He wants to kill his wife. She said, okay. And that's when she texted you that. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so there are ghosts. Which it wasn't anything... It's it's more of a, 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 a screws with your mind more than anything that movie did because I'm still we'll talk about when we get there and we'll full spoilers obviously Chris you been watching anything else? You know, TV wise everything man I I, I kind of had this week off so God, I'm ready for that that's we've got 
a week from today, Big Brother ends. So that frees up a lot of my hours. I'm not watching, like I said in the pre-show, I'm not watching a whole lot of um, live feeds for the past three weeks. Because it's just kind of boring with four people. And I'm just like, I just don't care. Um, so I'll catch everything on the highlights whenever they come on. But Well, I'll be, I'll be ramping up anyway because I've got, like I said, whenever American Horror Stories new season drops. Mm-hmm. I'll be watching it. I'll be, and I'm gonna check out this interview with the vampire series on AMC. So, oh, I think I've ever wanted to watch that. Is that on their their AMC October Plus? 2nd. Yeah. Interview with a vampire. I think. Remind me about that um, when you watch it again, because I'm totally going to forget. Yeah. But I've been interested in it. Oh, Sam Reed's in it. Okay. All right. Um, I've been watching Mythic Quest, the game development show. It's been on Apple TV. I've been meaning to watch forever. Uh, finally started it. I'm only like three or four episodes in. It's okay. It's a Ubisoft back show, so all their transitions are like shots from their games. So it's kind of cool. There's just Assassin's Creed stuff in there. It's it's all right. I mean, nothing that like I'm clamoring to have to watch. And then Amacho started The Imperfects on Netflix, which is a kind of a monster show. Like these these three humans have different genetic issues, and they're part of a program. They're all about the same age. No, they're different ages. Like one's a succubus, one's a werewolf, and one is a siren. So it's kind of weird, and they're trying to figure it out. I'm only like, I think I just started the second episode, so I'm still fresh into that. But something I'm not fresh into is She-Hulk Episode 5. Full-on spoilers for those who don't know what we do here. We do all of our nerdy recaps of our MCU and DC shows that we like to watch. And The Boys and things like that. Which, The Boys spinoff show, The Boys V, or something something with the V. It's the little um, unit, the college for superheroes. Which I'm so excited. They just wrapped filming today. So I can't wait to get into that one. Alright, She-Hulk episode 5, recap by High on Films, again, Rahot Avra Mahumdar. Again, I butchered every single bit of that, and I apologize. This week's episode features two interconnected plots. The primary one is about the legal battle between Titania and Jennifer, and the other one is about Nikki and Pug trying to get access to a high-end fashion designer called Luke, who designs clothes for a superhero. Again, Pug is probably my favorite character on this whole series, and that's just because I love the actor. And he is just down to earth and exactly what I would be doing. When he talked about the shoes, the the Iron Man 3s or whatever, Jamie said, that would be you. I was like, yeah, guess it would be. Um, the episode picks up exactly where the show left us last week. Jen is sued over using the name She-Hulk, which Titania has trademarked. She is further irritated to find out Titania is using the name She-Hulk to sell a line of her beauty products. Nikki and Jen try to visit Titania and talk her out of the legal proceedings and drop the name She-Hulk. But that goes in vain as Titania seems pretty adamant about it. At GLK and H, Holloway assigns Mallory Book as Jen's attorney for the case against Titania. Even though it initially seems like it's going to be an uphill battle for She-Hulk, as Jen's name against Titania's claim, the matter becomes pretty much easy when Mallory presents all the people Jen has dated as She-Hulk by the dating app just by using her name. This is, this show's great, man. I have I laugh so hard every episode, and this one is is no, no different. Uh I love that they didn't just throw that away, though. Right. It, it, it had a purpose into yeah. the show. 
Like, we're just like, okay, she's trying to date people. No, no, that also had a purpose to her name. So smart, man. Oh, so good. Um, however, all of them say that it is She-Hulk and they're interested in and not Jen, which is a bitter big blow for her. That doesn't stop Jen from proving that it was her who originally used the name She-Hulk much before Titania trademarked it. The judge gives a ruling in Jen's favor. To celebrate, Jen goes out drinking with Mallory. In another part of the city, Nikki, Nikki and Pug go to a hot, go to meet a high-end fashion designer named Luke, who specializes in making clothes for superheroes. After some struggle, they manage to connect Jen with him. Luke takes pride in his work and promises to make Jen a costume that is going to work for her both ways. At the end of the episode, Jen goes to pick up a costume and seems really impressed with Luke's work. Right after she leaves, the camera pans to a mysterious round box where we see a yellow and golden helmet with horns. I wonder who that could be. I have no idea. And man, I am excited. So, <laughs> apparently, I was, we've both been curious how Daredevil fits into this. Because uh, She-Hulk's in L.A., uh, Daredevil's in Hell's Kitchen. Apparently, um, Daredevil was working on a... This is I don't know if this is proven or this is theorized. But someone said that Daredevil was working on a case. And, or Matt Murdock was. And he got blipped. And so now the case that he was working on moved to L.A. And so he comes to L.A. to finish off the case after the blip. Because the case is still going on. It was just on, I guess, hiatus for five years. So I was like, oh, that, I mean, that makes sense. I could see how that would, would tie in. I wonder if Jen's law firm will be the one picking up the case. Mm. Maybe she's defending the person that he's attempted to prosecute. Right. And there's a, I'd be down for that. I have yeah. both of them on the other side. Oh man, yeah. I'm just excited to have Matt Murdock back. We're next week. He's definitely going to be in it, right? The only thing they just dropped this teaser just for nothing. We know he's in the show, but is he in it just in the finale, or will he do two or three episodes? He, from what I was, from what I read somewhere early on, he is a a bulk of the show. So I mean, we're five episodes in now. So yeah. So he should be in for multiple episodes, in theory. Again, we don't have a big bad, which I don't think we're going to, but I'm okay with at this point. Yeah. Unless it's these people using Asgardian construction tools. But Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> well, They now they contacted somebody. Mm-hmm. The leader. Yeah. So that had paid off since episode two though so no. <laughs> so we're still out here um really enjoyed this episode uh had a lot of uh, that marvel humor which i really 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 enjoy the luke the the fashion designer cracked me up the whole time everyone talking about jen's just bulky and ugly um she hulk uniform she wears for when she's at work cracks me up and i'm just and then pug pug with all of his shoes and i'm just all about it so yeah yeah it was a good episode. No, no post credit for whatever reason. Uh, you give us four episodes with four post credits, but the fifth one, you just say, "Nah, we're good." The only thing I can think is that the uh, they wanted that image of Daredevil's helmet to be the last thing you thought of. That's episode. a good point. Kind of say, "Hey, we're giving you this. You don't need anything else." But yeah. in the concept art, you know, the little artwork at the end before the credits. Um, there was one with Nikki and Pug, and Pug was showing Nikki all of his shoes. So if you go back and look, the shoes have, there's a Thing shoe, there's a Cyclops shoe. Um, i trying to think. There's like other ones like that, just of all the superheroes. And we're like, these guys haven't been introduced, but it's just a concept art. So, I mean, it just maybe just been for fun. But Yeah. 
which I'm like, hmm, makes you think, Chris. Makes you think. It's like we've said before. They don't do anything by accident. Right. So. Oh, man. I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm I'm ready for more of this. Uh, but just a, just a good episode. I Again, I really like the court case episode of the week. Not freak of the week like Smallville. Just a, what's right. the court case episode of this week? And I think it's fun. It's just how you introduce just these superhero issues. And. I, I I do like too how um, how they had to buy the knockoff Avengers gear. Yes, the Avengers. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Pug was about it though, and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm yeah. with it. It's good. <laughs> oh man, next week episode six, which is a little over halfway of the season, and, oh, and then we go. What you, I think that dumps us into Black Panther too. Mm-hmm. Or gets close to it at least, and um, <clears throat> can't wait. Last last we heard, they were still doing reshoots, which boggles the mind. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big news week for TV, uh, but one I'm really excited to talk about. Lex Luthor is coming to Titans. I'm going to the direct.com, and this is by Nathan Johnson. DC Comics' live-action Titan series is heading into its fourth season. The series, of course, follows Brenton Thwaites and Dick Grayson as he leads a group of young superheroes that call themselves the Titans. Season 3 of the series ended October 21st of 2021, and the Titans are forced to go up against one of their own, uh, Jason Todd. Uh, one of the most popular villains is set to appear in Season 4 of Titans, Lex Luthor. The character is often associated with Superman is connected to Joshua Orpin's Superboy. When Superboy was created in the lab, half of his DNA came from Superman, half came from Luther, which I was hoping they would tie this in, and I'm glad they are. Um, the famous DC mastermind will be played by actor Titus Welliver, and with an official image was recently revealed with the new season to feature the actor in full Lex Luthor mode with Starfire. So, I am about it. Let's see. Titan showrunner Greg Walker spoke to the outlet and it revealed how Welliver came to be cast as a supervillain. Apparently, the actor is a fairly large comic book fan, especially when it comes to DC, and didn't have to be convinced to take the part. Quote, you usually have to do this whole dog and pony show to get an actor to do the show, but when I called and to kind of lured him in, I could barely get a word in. We were talking on the phone and he was just walking through his library telling me about all of his Wolfman and Perez Titans editions. He's a giant, giant fan. The showrunner also revealed that Willover is a huge fan of the show as well. He has watched every episode, which is something that Walker did not see coming. Uh, he said he'd watched every episode of the show and could tell me about certain stories, certain shots, and plot lines. It was the most unexpected call I have ever had. So, yeah. I'm all in. I mean, I like someone that knows what they're doing, and he sounds like he's going to do the the character real well, especially when it comes to the Titans. So. He probably knows the universe more than the people that have been running it. Hey-o! (laughs) Speaking of Titans alumni, Season 2 of the Halo of the Series has started filming officially with Joseph Morgan joining the cast. So Joseph Morgan is playing Sebastian Blood on the new uh, season of Titans, what we were just talking about in Season 4. And he said he left, I think it was Thursday or Tuesday or something like that. He said he, he has wrapped on Titans and he's moving on to his next super procedure project. He said, hopefully I can talk about it soon. And then he tweeted two days later, yes, I am on Halo the series. So I'm going to Deadline.com by Denise Petsky for this one. Joseph Morgan from the originals and Christina Rodolo from No One Gets Out Alive have joined the season two cast of Paramount Plus's original series Halo based on the hugely popular Xbox video game series. 
The announcement Wednesday, okay, so it's Wednesday, comes as production on the second season has begun in Iceland. Additional filming is to take place in Budapest, Hungary, later this year. Joining Morgan and Rodolo for season two as a new series regulars are Fiona O'Shaughnessy and uh, Tylan Bailey, who reoccurred in season one. Morgan joins the series as James Ankerson, a formidable intelligence operative who has spent his career climbing the ranks of the UN- UNSC's secretive Office of Naval Intelligence. Rodlow is Talia Perez, a corporal specializing in linguistics for a UNSC Marine Corps communications unit, and a relatively new recruit has yet to see any combat. Bring it on. I, I love Joseph Morgan as an actor, even better as a person, and now I need to watch Halo. So... You thought I would have watched it just because of the love of the games, but I've heard it's eh. So I'm like, you know, any other things I could watch. Well, I know that one thing that put a lot of people off was the fact that Master Chief removes his helmet. For the majority of the show. He is yeah. more not in helmet than he is in helmet, and that just blows my mind. You know, whatever, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> whatever story you want to do. <laughs> uh, releases this week, Wednesday, September 21st, and or drops on Disney Plus. This is a big week for a lot of your fall shows starting back up as well. Um, I didn't put a lot of them in there just because it doesn't really pertain to our podcast, but it's a big week for your fall shows. And next week I think is even bigger. So, but that is it for me for TVs. Full TV on the movies. Have you watched anything? You know, I did. Got done watching The Shining last night, and, you know, just mine was all over the place, so I went on YouTube TV to see if there was any good football games on, not any good football games, I was like, okay, but then I came across one of my fop, my top probably five movies of all time called White Chicks, and I watched the last half of it, and I die every time I see that movie. It's not good watching it on TV on a like on a network just because all the commercial breaks and everything but dear god i was when when terry cruz does his little singing and dancing um in the car right about halfway through the movie i cry laughing every single time like there's just nothing funnier to me and i don't know why um and the dance off of course is great but man it's it's such a good film but that's it for me did you watch anything any other movie not this week i did watch uh of course our our main movie and then i did watch the documentary connected to it i need to Um, i'm going to be watching that this week i'm I'm excited to watch it i'll touch a little bit on it but um all right so let's let's get into the shining um i feel like doing a a synopsis of this is mostly pointless because i think most people are (laughs) Have watched it. Unless you're me and lived under a rock for all your life. But well, you see, now you've seen it. That's so. true. Um, basically, the story revolves around uh, Jack Torrance, his wife Wendy, and their son oh, Danny. The, the poor actress is just. And uh, as as they're they're going to the Overlook Hotel, which is in real life. The Stanley Hotel. Did did um, you know there's a sequel? Doctor Sleep. Yeah, have you seen that? Yeah, I've not watched Doctor Sleep yet. No. Oh, I was sorry. I was putting it. Sorry to completely derail that. I was putting it into Letterbox, and Doctor Sleep came up right under it, and then Room Two Three Seven, 
Yeah. And I was like, what's Dr. So, Sleep? And it's, it does, it's the sun. Huh. So, um, Jack and Wendy and Danny are going to the Overlook. Jack's supposed to be the wintertime caretaker uh, because this is high up in the Rocky Mountains. They don't really stay open during the winter. Um, and people have pointed out that have seen the movie that if you notice, Wendy ends up doing most of the work. She's the one that the person there was in contact with. Oh, I, yeah, that's a good point. And, and <laughs> uh, while Jack just does his writing. But he is working on a book. Um, and we see this slow descent into a fractured mind that by the end of this results in death. Um, we see unexplainable things in the hotel and we are led to believe that the little boy Danny has a gift known as the shining in which he can communicate with dead people um, well before Haley Joel Osment mm -hmm. had, the same, had the same ability <laughs> uh, this is the famous movie if you haven't seen it where Occasionally, you'll see horror montages, and it'll show elevator doors with blood pouring out from mm -hmm. the sides. It comes from it comes from this. There were a um, lot of moments like that. I didn't even realize, like him yeah. frozen at the end. I didn't realize that was from this movie. Um, the, twin the kid, girls. yeah, the twin girls, the uh, the kid riding the the tricycle throughout the hotel. Like a lot of that, I had no idea. I knew the one him coming in the door. Here's Johnny. I knew that, right. but yeah. the other ones, I was like, I had no idea. So, to me, the movie's enjoyable just watching it straight through, you know, if, if you're just taking it at face value. But there's so many theories about what Kubrick, it's directed by Stanley Kubrick, who also did films like Eyes Wide Shut, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Um, Is he still alive? No, he passed away. Okay. Um, Kubrick, it's been rumored over the years, and I, I don't want to stray too far from the movie, this kind of touches on elements of it it's been rumored over the years that he by people that believe the initial moon landing was faked that he is the one who filmed it mm. in, in a sound stage in Las Vegas um, which is why people notice Danny's sweater has the Apollo 11 space shuttle on it mm. um, supposedly room 237 is tied to this because they say that the moon is 237,000 miles from earth um just a lot of a lot of little coincidences there a lot of little things getting dropped in the story in and of itself though is is really cool you do get and we're going to spoil some stuff here oh. and discuss it the, the movie's 42 years yeah old, so i mean so. it's <laughs> <laughs> there's been opportunity for people to watch it um people still wonder what the ending is about because mm -hmm. the footage takes place present day at the time it was filmed so around 1980 or so completely forgot about everything yeah um but we end the film with an, a picture on a wall of this crowd of people at the july 4th ball at the hotel from 1921 and front and center of that photo is Jack Nicholson mm -hmm. 
we presume as someone other than Jack Torrance, but we don't really know um, because the movie never takes that up. It's right at the end. So, which was like sixty Jack... years prior to the movie yeah. setting, which is like that threw me through a loop when it zooms into the end photo right i was like okay i'm trying to oh there's the bartender i was like okay and they kept zooming in i was like okay so i'm seeing somebody else here i couldn't see it until like that last image and i said holy shit i said that's jack <laughs> that's that is shows the date i'm like i am so confused because <laughs> the movie i thought yeah. i was watching i'm definitely not and it makes me just want to like I want to watch the documentary this week just because I want to I'm more into it. Now I'm gonna now I want to watch the the follow up movie some, at some point when the sun's out. But because <laughs> it was made in 2019, so you know, it's going to have a little bit more uh, impactful uh, imagery. I'm trying to remember who's in that. I think it's Jason Bateman. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um. The this film has so many different theories tied to it, though. Um, so just to give you a heads up when you do watch this documentary you really have to pay attention Okay. because what they do is they'll take an overall section of something they want to talk about and there's different people with different theories that give their theories about this particular section so someone is, is mentioning that Kubrick supposedly was trying to draw a lot of parallels to the genocide of the Native Americans Mm. And and there's a lot of Native American imagery in, in and around. Well, and they talk about at the beginning that was on top of a burial site. And they had to kill a bunch of right. Indians for, to make the hotel. Right. And I was like, we've seen Poltergeist. We know that's not smart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another guy that talks about Kubrick, uh, not in a bad way, but having this fascination with um, the Holocaust, mm. you know, and studying it. Um, and how that picture at the end, it, you get the, it zooms in and then it, you get the, uh, the transition shot to a headshot of Nicholson, mm -hmm. right? When you look, if you go frame by frame, as it makes the transition, his hairline from the wider shot is superimposed directly over his upper lip. And it gives him a, it gives him a Hitler type mustache. Hmm. Uh, so some people think that he was drawing a lot of parallels to the Holocaust with things and images that were here. The elevator doors don't open when the blood comes out, and supposedly that was his way of stating that although we're responsible for a lot of this blood that's been spilled over the over the decades, we're not willing to accept it. Right. So the doors stay closed, but the blood's not going to stop. Um, and then, of course, I, I sent you an article where they they put out there the Wendy theory mm -hmm. that all the bad stuff in this movie is in her head. She's suffering a psychotic break. And there's one scene in particular that really draws on that where she interrupts him in, I think they call it the Colorado room. He's yeah. typing. It's this big open Right in front space. of the fireplace. Yeah. And as she comes up to him, everything's fine. And then he sees her and he rips the paper out of the typewriter. Mm -hmm. um, and then this whole exchange takes place between them. But then as she walks off, 
his hair's combed again. The paper's back in the typewriter. Mm -hmm. And he, he just goes back to typing with this really confused look on his face. And people have said that the theory is that she imagined the whole conversation. That she just walked up to the table and stared at him and then walked off. Which mm. is why he's confused. The paper never left the typewriter. His hair never got messed up. Where and he he's still sitting there in, in the chair. Yeah. Oh. So mm. there's so many theories about what's going on with this film. That it it's something you could, if you really got into it and got interested in it, you could probably watch it a dozen times and, and still, still have a different th yeah because that's what that was crazy with me like the whole the whole naked chick in it and i was like all right you know when he goes up to the room as he said that was someone in the bathtub i was like oh, there's no one in the bathtub and then it turns into some older lady with sores and, and pus everywhere on her and i was He's like decomposing yeah and i was like i got stuff the whole film like is still messing with my head because i don't know what to believe there was obviously something going on there because he's talking to the was it grady grundy uh -huh. and he was talking to him when he was in the food pantry the food room and he was locked in there and someone unlocks that door from him when he's having this conversation in his head or to this person uh -huh. so i'm like so obviously there's there's ghost spirits that are doing something but now like i'm like did one of the did the kid or her unlock it and we just didn't see that or was it really a ghost kind of thing because the whole movie threw me through a loop and it's just it blows my mind like i the the poor chef that was there was just trying to check up on the kid and yeah. walks in and gets an axe straight to the chest and just is done i was like okay that's that poor thing yeah. so oh it was i enjoyed it i gave it three three stars out of five just because it's you know it's i still have a i have to place my head of that era in time yeah. because like a lot of things like uh just weren't really scary to me but at the time it would have been but it's just it's still a good movie like, I still recommend it and I kind of want to watch it again just to see like, it's, it's interesting to me enough to watch the documentary on it because I want to know these theories I want to know what really happened I hate that the director is dead because I want him to write a book and lay out everything that really happened you know but it's, it's just one of those that it's there's so much mystery behind it because I don't know like what because like you sent me that theory and on one hand I want to think oh it's just you know them in the 1980s not having a continuity they call them something there's a certain director and producer that has that job to make sure everything is exactly what it was before the next before they retake the retape the film and i want to say oh it wasn't but then like it's it's too coincidental to not be that theory that's all in her head especially in that scene because the paper being back in there him being confused the hair being back i'm like it's just there's too many and surely they wouldn't have that many mistakes, but, and then just the whole movie, I was thinking Jack Nicholson's the Joker and which he got after this movie. And I was like, I, I can see why they cast him as a Joker. He is so good at what yeah. he does. And I was like, yeah. Oh man, that was great. Oh, what a, what a film. Yeah. Kubrick did not make mistakes like that. If something made it into the film, it made it in for a reason. Right. 
And, don't know uh, if he did it just to be a dick to me. Say, you know what? This is where we're going to mess with people 42 years from now. So I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> never know. Right. Um, the maze scene, I like. Mm-hmm. I like the chase out through the maze. Kid um, was very smart. Yeah. Very, very smart. I gave I gave this five stars. Yeah. For me. It's, it's such a phenomenal film. And it's one of those that, like you said, it makes you want to go back mm-hmm. and see it again. And part of that is all the theories. Um, and the, Nick- the the wife, the ugly wife, could have easily crawled through that window, by the way. She only had it halfway up. I'm like, push it the rest of the way and just jump out. I mean, the whole time I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know, it couldn't have snowed that much. And then they show the outside of the window and it's all you know piled up there. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah it did. That's why people don't go up there. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. But yeah, the, the pantry scene where he gets locked in and, you know. I I kind of subscribe to the theory that she went back by and she unlocked it. Mm. If it really happened. Right. Because again, if all that's in her head, we don't know. Right. Um, there's so much stuff. The carpet changes directions. Yeah. So it's just like it, 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 you don't know what scenes are real and right. what's or what is made up because yeah. like I believe that theory of her being crazy, but we got the scene of him at the bar by himself the first time. And then we also got him with the naked lady in the room 237 when she wasn't anywhere around. So I'm like, maybe she was just imagining it, but why would she imagine a decomposing corpse there? And then how was, I'll see, but she, I don't know if, because like if she's imagining it all from the picture she saw of him in the 1920s she said you know picked that guy out and just picked him out exclusively how does the kid working with it unless i don't know like i don't i had a hard time trying to think of who's really psychic and who's really seeing dead people the kid obviously but then i was thinking okay so is jack but um, or johnny and i'm like so if johnny is seeing these ghosts he's talking to a bartender and then he's had, there's one scene where he's got the whole party going too. I'm like, okay, so maybe he has some sort of abilities as well. And that's what's going on. I don't know. I and mean, this whole thing was was trippy, and I'm still tripped out by it. I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, but it, and I think this is in the article that I sent you. Um, as, so the theory is every time you see from behind Wendy mm-hmm. looking out at other people, it's stuff that's in her mind in her mind only so there's a scene where she and Danny are sitting in a room watching television right we're looking at it from behind them this would be Wendy there's a film I think playing on the TV but people have pointed out for years if you look on the floor and all around it that TV's not plugged in oh so it's not real right because you have to have the electricity. Yeah. So, who's imagining that? Would Kubrick, with all his experience, have actually made an error like that? No, especially one that's so noticeable. Like they, if you, like I'm sitting thinking back to it after reading it as well, it's like there's so much negative space behind the TV. Like that's mm-hmm. intentional. Like to say, hey, this is oh, not plugged in. Attention. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, gosh, this guy had to go and die and not give us any answers. I don't like that. 
Um, I will say this before we leave the topic of the movie. Uh, Stephen King was not a fan. Really? It's based on his book. I get why he didn't like it. It strays from the book a lot. Okay. And then the book was very personal to him because, not just because he wrote it, he was dealing with alcoholism at the time. Mm. And they put that in there. And this character, like this was how he perceived the Jack character was his perception of what he was doing to himself and the people around him. Mm. So the fact that it got changed. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. He just wasn't a fan. So anyway, uh, five stars for me. You gave it three. Mm-hmm. All right. You're going to watch two, three. I'm interested in your thoughts next week on two, three, seven. Yeah. We can touch some more on that. Um, Hocus Pocus also for next week. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a nice little rewatch for both of us. I Clint that in, palette. Yeah. I haven't seen that maybe 20 years. Cleanse the palette a little bit from The Shining. The next week we'll get Hocus Pocus 2. Then The Birds. So those mm-hmm. are the next three. Oh, I'm excited. It's going to be. I'm, I'm, I really like all of our movies this year. Yeah. I liked them last year too, but... Well, with the exception of Poltergeist, because that still gives me heebie-jeebies. But, you know, other than that. <laughs> two right, years ago, I guess it was. Was it two years? Uh-huh. Because uh, I was at the old house for oh, Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, on to the news. First up from uh, GamesRadar.com and Bradley Russell. Look, I get the easy names. You're right. Uh, <laughs> Stranger Things, David Harbour joins Neil Blomkamp's Gran Turismo movie. David Harbour's character will be the driving force behind the movie's lead. Um, says the Stranger Things stars joining the cast of District 9 director Neil Blomkamp's PlayStation adaptation as a retired driver who teaches the teenage lead how to drive according to The Hollywood Reporter. According to the outlet, Gran Turismo will be the ultimate wish-fulfillment tale of a teenage Gran Turismo player whose gaming skills won him a series of Nissan competitions to become an actual professional race car driver. That likely takes its inspiration from the real-life story of Jan Mardenborough, the race car driver who went from the Gran Turismo Academy through to racing for real in Formula 3. The film set for release August 11, 2023. I'm down. Uh, I like David Harbour a whole lot, especially from um, Black Widow as well. And, and soon to be Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, I guess I haven't really paid attention to the story of it, of what the movie's going to be like. Mm-hmm. But this sounds awesome. So <laughs> a Gran Turismo player becomes a professional race car driver with David Harbour as your mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that. Uh, next up from the Hollywood Reporter's Aaron Couch. I wonder if he writes from his couch. I don't know. He might. So, Sony sets Karate Kid movie for summer 2024. Pushes back Craven and Madam West. Just keep pushing them back. Just, yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, the studio also made a number of smaller changes, including for Chris Pratt's Garfield and Adam Driver's 65. Karate Kid franchise is getting new life in theaters. Sony's Columbia Pictures has set a date for a Karate Kid film slated to open June 7, 2024. 
No filmmakers or other details were revealed, but it's described as the return to the original Karate Kid franchise. So, I'm going. Question here. Go ahead. Is this is this going to be tied to Cobra Kai, nope. or are we going to? They have they've come out and said I forgot the John Hertzman, that the showrunner for Cobra Kai, has said it is not related. And which begs my question, how are you going to be returned to the original Karate Kid franchise and it not be related? Which makes me so mad because it's says, hey, Cobra Kai is popping off right now with everybody around the world. How do we get money off of that is what Sony's doing. And so they said, let's go back to the original Karate Kid. Well, how? You've got Ralph Macchio, um, guy who plays Johnny Lawrence. I'm blanking on his name right now. I follow him on Twitter and everything. And how are you going to go back to the original, but they not be involved? I don't, I don't understand that. The original friend, they could. So it said the original franchise. Mm -hmm. They could bring Hillary Swank in. She's already been in Cobra Kai. No, Hillary Swank is not, but she's going to be. They've they said. Could bring Jade, they could bring Jaden Smith in. Uh, again, Will Smith is a producer on Cobra Kai. So it's just, it's just, it's this guy's time. We got like two more seasons they've already signed on for. So I mean, it's like everyone was baffled by this news, and I'm still baffled. I'm like, I just don't understand that. Like, it's just a money grab, it seems to me. William Zabka, so I'm thinking of for Johnny Lawrence. And yeah. I'm just like, how? I, I don't get it. Well, whatever. They're going to do what they want to do. I don't see it yeah, doing well, yeah. though. <laughs> Maybe he means it's not tied to Cobra Kai in the sense that it's not going to take place within their story. It's going to take place. You know. Give him another movie to bring characters in from. Yeah. So that blows my mind. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Next up from Variety and Meredith Warner. Keanu Reeves returns for Constantine's sequel, HBO Max's TV reboot, Dead, along with Madam X. The only soul Satan himself would come up to collect is getting a follow-up film. Constantine is back. Variety can confirm Warner Brothers will make a sequel to the 2005 supernatural action film Constantine, starring Keanu Reeves. The blockbuster star will reunite with original director Francis Lawrence, best known for taking over the Hunger Games franchise after the first film um it does not give much more mm -mm. here i think that's mainly what we what we need um it does go on to mention of course that justice league dark project madam x is being put to the side that's not really a surprise <laughs> so, i mean they're just not no just not so this means in the future we're going to have to watch the original Constantine and then uh, the second one when it comes out. Yes. So, it's which years I've seen the first one. I've never seen the first one. All I know is Matt Ryan is Constantine. And that's what Jamie was saying earlier because she saw this news, I guess, on Facebook somewhere. And I was like, yeah. She was like, I didn't know Keanu Reeves was Constantine. I was like, yeah, he was the Constantine for, you know, years. And she goes, oh, she goes, it's one of those things that I can only see like Grant Gustin as the Flash. It's the same thing. I can only see Matt Ryan as Constantine. Oh, yeah. I said, more so me because, you know, I've watched Legends of Tomorrow with him as a regular. But, you know, whatever, Jamie. 
Alright, next up, now this one's gonna be... have some discussion around it. Mm -hmm. uh, this comes from Forbes and Danny DiPlacido. Disney's The Little Mermaid backlash has reached insane heights. Um, so it says Disney's latest live-action remake, The Little Mermaid, has been engulfed in controversy ever since the casting of singer Halle Bailey was announced. While Disney's tepid remakes always receive criticism from nostalgic fans, this time the backlash is transparently racist, with all the negativity aimed at the casting of a non-white actress to play the titular mermaid. Uh, the film's trailer's been flooded with one and a half million dislikes from angry fans, despite YouTube removing the dislike counter. The numbers are still available through an extension. Comment sections have exploded with absurd talking points defending the sanctity of the original Danish story, which Disney's original animated adaptation sanitized almost beyond recognition. Um, I'm going to read a couple of these, because this is... Just can't with some of this. Mm -hmm. Well, the original mermaid, the original The Little Mermaid is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read that. Yeah. I just noticed one of the words in there. <laughs> the people are just insane. Like it's. Uh, it's I will read Lin Linda Carter's tweet here. Uh, Get it, more woman. Yeah, people are mad that the Little Mermaid's black. The lady who's also a fish who lives under the sea. And whose best friend is a talking crab? Um, it says the discourse peaked when one terminally online used Twitter user used an AI to paint over Bailey's face with that of a white redhead and assured anxious fans he would correct the full movie upon release. Um, yeah, I, you, you know. All right, let's. There's a lot of racism behind this. Mm -hmm. I do think there's a small segment of people that just don't like change right. in the characters that they've always liked. And they're probably wondering why it got changed. Mm -hmm. They know Ariel as white with red hair. And I'm sure there are going to be a lot of kids that have been exposed to The Little Mermaid who are going to see it and go, but that's not Ariel. Because right. that's not what they're used to Ariel looking like. Those concerns or those points being, I get it. you know, Because mm -hmm. if they suddenly came in and they were like, hey guys, we've cast Wolverine, it's Jackie Chan. I'd be like, are right. you sure? Because <laughs> it's not who we're used to. Right. You know, Wolverine's Canadian, and he's never been portrayed as Asian. Right. So, I mean, immediately your first response would be, what? But going back over the film to mm -hmm. whitewash it is not good. Horrible. I mean, this is just... Now, at first, I thought, because I saw this pop up on the news when I was at work two days ago. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. I misread the name at first. That was Hallie. I thought it was Hallie Berry. Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, why would they want her to play the Little Mermaid? Right. She's, but I was thinking of it from an age perspective. Yeah, she's she's, she's a lot older than what you would think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, wait a minute, and then I read it again. It was Hallie Bailey, and I, I I'll confess, I have no idea who Hallie, mm -mm. Hallie Bailey is. No, I don't. 
don't and, know if she's done. And when I saw the the teaser's only like a, a minute long, and Haley's only in there for like ten seconds of that. And like I didn't because I watched it when it dropped. I guess it was two weeks ago when it dropped. A week ago, and Jamie and I watched it. We were sitting in the football stands, watching a high school football game. And I said, because I could hear it too. I held up to her ears. I said, she sounds great. And I said, I don't see, because when she originally got cast as it, it was a little bit of an uproar then. But I was like, okay, you know, there's people always griping about something. And then this trailer dropped, and it has just been steamrolling. And Fox News has picked it up, of course. Um, and like people are calling it woke and woke actor and stuff. First off, I don't, I cannot tell you. In one conversation, I have at one ever used the word woke or have not or anybody that I've ever known use the term woke. So that's something else I've, I've always got another issue with. But I'm like, with you, I didn't even think about it. I'm curious with Stella because, you know, she's got Little Mermaid toys. They're all white. And so because this might be one of her first movies we go and watch in theaters because we're getting to, towards that age where she'll sit down and watch the majority of a movie without being distracted. And so we're wondering what movie to do that with. And I mean, this, this will be on Disney plus too. So I might do it then. I wonder if, I mean, she's almost turning four. She doesn't see race. I mean, we don't teach that. I mean, my, my best friend's family and him are black. And so was their, their kids. And she never says anything, you know, of the sort. So I'm very curious to see if she even notices or cares. Uh, so it's, but it's it'd be a good little, I guess, experiment to see because right around with your point, you know, kids growing up seeing, you know, knowing they're able to be white, seeing a, a black actress, but I don't like people just, why, why does it matter? Like I'll, I guarantee that a lot of these tweets and a lot of these people aren't even going to see the movie. Didn't even care to see the movie or even planning to see the movie, but are making racist like these a lot of these people are just down up hateful and rude which you know we've been as a nation we could do a whole podcast on the state of our nation and all this other nonsense and just being predominantly racist somehow some way still after everything we've been through but it it blows my mind the the people that are commenting this stuff and you know Hallie Bailey is on Twitter and she sees it and I'm just like how because she's, she's younger. I think she might be 19. How old is... And just... Could you imagine seeing... You're, you're being a Disney princess. And all of this happening. It just... It, it blows my mind. So... I wasn't planning on watching it. But I probably will. She's 22. Just give, so... Just, just to give some of these people the proverbial middle finger. Right. Like, I'll give it another view. Uh... She's a I, singer. She's got. She's a Grammy Award, five-time Grammy Award-nominated singer. Yeah. So I mean, like, I'm excited because she sounds great. So. It's. I, the the other thing that I'm curious about, you know, Disney's been under fire recently because uh, Florida's governor has been mm-hmm. trying to use them to to get himself votes from. Uh, the far right basically uh so i wonder how much of that are the people that he's catering to right taking up the cause 
of his, you know, coming out against Disney. Political agenda. Also, yeah. But you do have to think. Now, Warner Brothers has been dealing with a completely different situation where the actor involved in something has created controversy. Mm-hmm. And they just keep kicking that can down the road. But you do start to think, you know, we saw this not involving race, but involving gender a few years ago with Ghostbusters. When mm. they came out and they were like, hey, we're going to do an all-female version. And people were like, what? Why? Right. You know, it, what, I don't think it was, for a lot of people, I don't think it was so much that it was an all-female cast. I think it was that they didn't really connect it to the original films. It was like, we're just going to start the whole story over and here you go Bob's your uncle and uh, it upset people to the point that they then started planning after that film did not perform as well as they wanted it to they started planning a continuation film Mm -hmm. where we got one of the descendants of one of the original Ghostbusters taking up the profession as it were I kind of wonder if if this film underperforms because of all this, does Disney go out and remake The Little Mermaid again, live action, and change the casting? You would hope not, because I don't think they would stand behind the decision, right? But if they see a chance to, I mean, from their perspective, they're going to make whatever money they make off this. Mm-hmm. And if you think you can release another one and make even more money, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. And know. it's they haven't from. That's why I just Google too. If if Disney has come out and made a statement, because you know some companies come out and make statements when they're getting a bunch of backlash and nothing. Radio silent. So, which is odd. Yeah, which is uh, with how Disney is. It's it's weird. Marvel would come out and say things, but. Disney not coming out and saying anything is kind of weird to me. But, like, I'm seeing all the positive stuff out of this as well because there's a lot of uh, children of color coming out saying, tweeting out the reactions. Like, one says she's brown like me with tears in her eyes and things like that because, you know, representation matters, and, you know, it always will. And, like, in this article on Deadline, there's maybe about 10, 15 videos of these kids reacting and, with joy and just excited just because, you know, they never had a, you got Tiana. She's the only black princess. So, I mean, I just, well, and- it, it doesn't, I don't, I just don't understand why people care so much about a right. film. They were never going to see anyways, yeah. but we were going to see, cause we've got a kid uh, that loves princesses and I don't think she's going to say anything or even care. But I am curious to to see if she does now. But I'm just like that's makes no sense to me. That's what right. she, uh, I I hate people. Like, don't be racist. I'm trying to look up here real quick um, because uh, another good example of this is something that we just talked about recently, um, just a few minutes ago. And that's Interview with the Vampire. Mm. So if you take a look. All right. When 
All right, let's see. So the Louis character was originally, it's been so long since I've read the books. Um, the Louis character was originally played by Brad Pitt. Mm. And his, the way it was originally written, his mother, sister, and brother lived just outside New Orleans on one of their two indigo plantations named Pointe du Lac after the family. Um, because they're Roman Catholic, they're from France. Um, but he's also described, Louis is, as being Louisiana Creole. Mm. So, which typically means someone of color, right? Right. Um, but Brad Pitt was cast in the role back when the original film was made. Um, now we're getting an actor, Jacob Anderson, who's British and black in the role. So, I mean, conceivably, we're going course-correcting to the source material right? for that character to be better represented. Obviously, when Brad Pitt was cast back in the day, there was no furor over, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that we're kind of straying away from this character's origins. But we're kind of seeing a role reversal of it here, where now they're doing it the way it was originally written. And it's it's kind of interesting, too, in that I think part of it is... And I, I, I know there's, there's probably going to be, if, if anyone uh, takes offense that hears this, I'm just going to say it. A lot of people don't take the time and they don't have the, in some cases, they don't seem to have the intelligence to be able to sit down. Or not, intelligence is the wrong word. They don't have the, what is the word I'm looking for? They don't have the um, attention span mm. to sit down and read a book. Correct. The interview is based on a literary work. And the only people that are going to be passionate about that are the people that have sat down and read a 12-book series. Right. And those people have patience. And those people understand. And they tend to think critically more so I think that's why there's not backlash on those things mm -hmm. as we're coming at it from a liter literary perspective I, I just think so many people and part of it's Disney's size as well right there's so much They're, how big the audience is not the size of the audience but that image is everywhere mm-hmm and people without thinking are commenting on it. It's like you're not even attached. Right. Like you said, they're not going to watch the movie. They were never going to watch the mm -mm. movie. Why do you care? Right. It's that's that's what a majority of my political stances or things like with that is like, you know, with LGBTQ+ and things like that. If it's not bothering you or affecting you directly, 
right. why 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 do you care yeah like what is the issue you know and yeah. that was the whole thing with you know lgbtq plus getting married things like that there was an uproar that's against the the bible and things like that like, thing was written five thousand years ago and does it bother thousand years of being passed down right by word of mouth is it bothering you what is it bothering your daily living that you can't live your life how how you've been living it no okay then why care why this means so many things to like i said all those little girls and kids like right and just like i don't it just the way that and it's not the world. I don't want to say the world because it's it's primarily just America, and right. it's just, it blows my we're mind. We're so far, we're so far behind. Yes, on certain things. And I'm not saying there's not racism um, elsewhere in the world because there is, but the majority of all this wokeness and all this other shit is in America, and it's just the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm gonna watch it. Probably watch it. And keep it on repeat just so they get the numbers and everyone else could go well jump off a bridge you know the thing about it too is like you brought up the lgbtq stuff right the people that are usually the loudest voices against it are the people that it turns out have feelings that they're mm-hmm. trying to suppress their insecurities and they- and they can't accept that about themselves because they've been told all their lives it's wrong mm. And, uh, you know, that's why if you look, there have been a lot of high profile evangelical preachers over the years that have spoken out against homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have ended up getting busted, yep. sleeping with male prostitutes. More children. More children. Yeah. Male you children. Know, so put there. Usually, usually if they're out there shouting about something very loudly through their megaphone, it's because... It's who they are. Mm-hmm. And they don't like that part of themselves. Right. Just, unfortunately, it's the the shitty world we live in. I mean, there's, yes. and I hate it. Like, I mean, that's, this should, this movie, the whole trailer and everything should have been great for everybody involved. And now it's just scrutinized. Even a person went and whitewashed the whole thing and said they will do that for the whole film. And I'm just like, come on. Like, I just, yeah. You can have wasted your time doing something, anything else. But, I mean, at that point, Disney's lawyers are going to earn their money. Exactly. You can't can't distribute someone else's intellectual property like that. That's easy money. (laughs) Easy court case. She hulk it up. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, But that's it for news. Uh, We saved that big one for the end there. Um, so now I think I think we're on to Tyler has a really it, se- it seems weird to transition to something else after having that, that yeah. serious discussion. But uh, Tyler now has a very cool game to tell us about. Mm. I'm curious because I might call it the Madden Killer, Chris. And I played maybe 45 minutes to an hour. I want to play more? It's just in VR. When I play a VR headset, it takes me because you have to set it all up. And then get everything going and everything. Of course, you're in a whole new world, feeling like. Um, and whereas, like, Xbox or anything, you just turn it on and you're there. But this game is called NFL Pro Era. It dropped on Thursday. And I got to play for about 45 minutes. So what this is, it is an officially NFL-licensed virtual reality football game 
where you take control of whatever team's quarterback, where you can set your, you make your own, or take over for anybody. Of course, I picked the Steelers, and it sets you up. You start in training practice, and what you are are, I mean, you're the quarterback. And but the visuals okay, are probably the only bad thing I don't like about it is it looks like you're playing Madden 2000 because VR is not what unfortunately is not what I think it should be at this point, and it's a little wonky but all the stadiums are home stadiums all like the, the crowds are loud in your ears like Oculus Quest is this phenomenal technology anyways but this game is fun like uh, I played as the Steelers week one of course we played at Bengals home up in Ohio and it's loud like when you go on third down the crowd gets louder and it's disorienting because like, you're sitting here getting ready to hike the ball so what you do is you set up your offensive coordinators in your ear like they are or football games, and you look at your your wrist of your playbook, and you can scroll through and pick whatever you want to. Normally, it's just one, but once you line up, you, you've got a, you could call audibles, and so you can see what you're supposed to do. And you can see your players in front of you, and you hike the ball with the trigger. Their center will hike the ball, and you have to catch it, and then you catch it, and you stand up and you look around and see who's open or who's going to be open, and you look at the player, and that's how they know who you're throwing it to. Because you'll have like a little um a little pillar of light and you throw it to them and whether or not how good your throw was is if they're going to catch it or not. There was a lot of times I was like, Oh, I did not mean to throw it like that. Cause it, it really goes off of your throw and how hard you throw and things like that. It's, it's really cool. And it's really fun. Um, when you're on defense, you're on the sideline and you can walk up and down the sideline. Of course, your little area that you have at home and watch the plays as they're being played. And it's, it's cool. Of course, I always just do make it go fast and send it to the next thing. Um, but running plays are probably the hardest thing on there because you hike the ball and you have to hand it off to your, your teammate and it gives you a little a cube to hike it into. And sometimes I miss it, sometimes I don't. But if you have an Oculus Quest, it's $30. So I was like, you know, I'm going to give this a try. I saw this on TikTok. I was like, this game looks like it'd be fun. Just something to try. And... Uh, it came up that day when I saw the TikTok. I was like, this is a weird coincidence. And I'll, so I bought it and played it. But it's it's a fun game. If you've got the Oculus Quest, and it's even on PlayStation VR, which I'm like, okay, cool. But the Oculus is, you know, cord- cordless, which is what I love about it. And it's been, it's a fun game. It, it's scratching that Madden itch a little bit. I'm waiting for Madden to come down a little bit, probably Thanksgiving time-ish before I buy it. I just don't want to drop $60 on the game right now. Um, but I'll drop $30 on this, $20 something else, or $10 something else. Anyways, that defeats the purpose, Chris, I know. But it's it's fun. I, I if, you, if you're even interested in it, search it up on TikTok. People playing it on there is it, really funny. Like, you've got a trophy room where, like, if you play a game with no interceptions, you know, your wins, you get a whole trophy room full of your accomplishments. And your the goal is to go to the Super Bowl and win. And it's just... I mean, for $30, it's not bad of a game, especially because I created my own character, my own numbers, my... I didn't do face. You can create your face. I'm like, there's no point. I'm never going to see it. So what's the point of doing this? Um, like your wrist straps, all sorts of cool little things. I mean, that's what you see. But it's it's fun. Like, I'll um, I'll see if I can record it on my phone next because you can do a mirror cast to your phone. I'm going to see if I can get it to record, and I'll send it to you, what I see in here. Cause it's really cool. You had your own player. You didn't take over as Kenny Pickett. 
No, they've got Mitch Trubisky. He goes off of the current. Oh, okay. And which he's a joke. God, I, uh, why he's still the starter? Probably good me. anyway. Because you know, <sighs> Pickett has tiny hands. So yeah, uh, Mitch is a terrible, terrible quarterback. I don't know why we have him. And I've also been playing Assassin's Creed Origins. Just oh no 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 no! I meant to put this on the list. I beat Isle of Sky. Uh, we really? talked about it last week, and I played it, and that's what got me back into AC Origins because I just wanted to keep going with the the story yeah. of it all. But it it's cool because Odyssey is now on Game Pass, and uh-huh. if I beat and play Origins, which I don't think I will, I'm just been kind of kill time right now, and that comfort game, the comfort food of game that I've just been jumping back into. But Isle of Sky was fun, like the way they introduced Cassandra back into it, and her and Avor's interactions. And the story of it, the maybe four hours, three or four hours of content there. Not really a whole lot, but it's uh, it's good. Like, I really enjoyed it, and it made me want to more of that kind of stuff. So that's why I went back to Origins. So. I enjoyed Owl of Sky. Um, I was glad to be finished with it. But, yeah. But it, 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 I got a lot of enjoyment. I had that little... Yeah, it's just a short little story that connects the things, but which is what I love about Ubisoft, not Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed, is the assassin lore, and it touched right. on it enough that I'm like, yeah, I want to play more, but enough to also aggravate me because I want more AC content than what we had in Valhalla, and what we had in Valhalla made me so mad, just because the Brotherhood should not be a a side piece of the story. It should be the story. And uh, Origins, I like. It's my top three Assassin's Creed games just because you're setting up the Bureau and the Hidden Ones. Odyssey, I didn't like just because it was before the Hidden Ones, so I didn't really have anything to do with it. It dealt more with modern-day stuff. I'm like, I just don't care. So, but that's it for me. Have you been, how's the been going for you? Uh, it's been going pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, has, has Mutt been doing I, okay? Mutt's doing okay. Great, cause okay. just that's what I really uh, want to play. <laughs> I, I did finish a Dolphin rebuild. I got them a Super Bowl in four seasons. Did you see two of today? Did you see his numbers he threw up? Uh, uh-uh. six touchdowns, two I interceptions, to, uh, but six touchdowns. I had to move on from him in game. Mm. I, I drafted a quarterback. He had hurt too much. <laughs> no, he just he wasn't getting it done. Yeah. Oh, man, it, what a game that was today. Um, only one news item here for everybody. Ubisoft's next-gen games will be $70 from now on. Going to GameSpot.com by Jenny Jing. That, I feel like this is how most are going to be doing it now. Yeah. But Ubisoft is increasing the price of its major AAA games to $70 starting with November's Skull and Bones release. According to an Axios report, Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot confirmed that big releases for current-gen consoles, being the Xbox Series and PS5, like other recent AAA releases, will be priced higher. Quote, Some of the games will come to at the same price at the competition. The big AAA games will come at $70, Guillemot said to Axios. This comes as no surprise, as $70 seems to pretty much be the new normal for major new titles. Releases like Call of Duty Black Ops sold for $70 at launch, as well as NBA 2K21. So, uh, note that Gilly might emphasize that only some, and not all, Ubisoft games will have a $70 price tag. Assassin's Creed Mirage releases in 2023, which is only going to be $50. So, 
Just depend on the game. Yeah. I guess. A, that game looks good. Oh, so, um, I have been waiting for that game since they announced it, I think, in 2018, 2017. Because it's from the same team that did Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is my number one AC game. And so when that when Singapore when the Ubisoft Singapore team said they were going to be making a pirate game, I was like, oh my god, that's what I loved about this. You no, know, among many things. And then it kept getting delayed. Then it kept getting delayed. It kept getting delayed. And finally, they came out with a trailer this year. And I'm like, I don't know if it's seventy dollars worth from what I've seen and what they've shown off. I'm like, I can't justify seventy dollars for that. So. But there's been a, a person that's seen more of the game. One of the news journalists says it might be the sleeper game of the year with how great it is. And I'm like, hmm, we'll see. If you're releasing a game that's going to be self-contained, I don't have any problem with a $70 price tag. Mm-hmm. Or if you're doing a an ultimate edition for 90 or or 100 right. fine. But if it's going to be a game like Assassin's Creed where you're providing us with a lot of DLC mm-hmm. over the next 12 to 18 months, then I shouldn't have to pay $70 if I'm also going to have to buy the DLC. Yeah, $70 to me should come with like the first DLC at least or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not just or the first a game. Discount on all of it. Right. Where it comes out with yeah. the, buy the season pass for $100 and you get the first two expansions for free. It's. Yeah, it, it it's a controversial thing. People are like, well, that's more for the developers that's working on it. No, it's not. They're not seeing that money. And people are like, well, you know, cost of living and things have increased. I was like, yeah, but the amount of money these people make, that's <laughs> they haven't noticed. So um, Exactly. That's why I don't want to drop 70 bucks right. on a game. Yeah, I know. Trust me, we know they don't. Um but if the developers actually saw that money, which I've, I'm talking completely out of my butt here, I don't know what they see and what they don't see. But it's just, I'm like, okay, they're going, that's Activision's doing too. But I'm curious to see what happens, you know, next year when Xbox buys them or Microsoft. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but PlayStation 5, all their next gen games are all $70. Whereas Xboxes, all their next gen games, everything are free on Game Pass. So, you know, Twitch their own on that one. Notable new releases, speaking of Game Pass, Deathloop comes out this week to the Xbox Series September 20th and on Game Pass Day 1. Um, Gundam Evolution on PC for September 22nd and Slime Rancher 2 for PC and Xbox Series for September 22nd as well. Gundam Evolution, play the beta. Where's my console? Launch. I understand PC is getting the better support because it's going to be a big esports game too. Um, but I played the beta on Xbox. Where is my release? So... I really want it. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been this week's episode of the NerdWide Podcast. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms and forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Social media, you can follow NerdWide on Twitter at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. You can follow Chris at MavTN7. On Facebook, you go to facebook.com, search in NerdWide in a little search bar there, or NerdWide Podcast. It'll be the first things that pop up. Follow us there. Either one of those two sites are the first way you can find out when we drop episodes other than you being subscribed to us on uh, YouTube or whatever podcasting service you use. But as always, this has been this week's episode of the NerdWide Podcast, and we cannot wait to change pace with you and watch Hocus Pocus. Nothing too scary this week, guys. Later, guys.